So beyond money, I was going to the Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl, the Masters, Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup, ESPYs, Emmys, Oscars, Grammys. My ego was out of control. I was surrounding myself with the wrong people. And my bottom, I lost everything in 2008, over $100 million. Uh, but in 2006 is when I started, that's when I hit bottom and I started changing my life. Today, I'm extremely grateful to be sitting down with the unbelievably wise, passionate, and truly motivating David Meltzer. He's the co-founder of Sports One Marketing Agency and the former CEO whose dramatic rise and fall was the real-life inspiration behind the iconic film, Jerry Maguire. Join us as we talk about David's journey from growing up poor to being a millionaire in just nine months out of law school. Be it quantum healing workshops in India, building high schools in Africa, or leading his 21 years of free training, David is on a life mission to inspire 1 billion people. He is truly a soundbite machine and packs so much knowledge and wisdom into this episode, you may have to listen to it twice. Buckle up and get ready for a vulnerable and unfiltered conversation that's about to blow your mind. David Meltzer, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much. This is an amazing studio. Thanks for having me. I'm certainly looking forward to this conversation. You know what? You and I have never met in person, but when you walked in, your energy, it feels like I've known you like for forever. <laughs> it's funny you say that. I am an energy person. And so the first check I do with people is an energetic one. And I want to see, you know, what frequency they're at, as I call it, so that I understand the spectrum in which I'm going to communicate in. Because I really have learned over the years, it's not talking to people, it's understanding what they listen for. And then I also, under my trust and vet kind of philosophy in life, I want to see if it's the positive type of energy. And every single person that I met from the minute I walked in the door has an elevated frequency, positive, you know, the right people and the right ideas. That's what you've surrounded yourself with. Thank you. So how do you pick up on that? Like, what's a tip? Yeah. So, you know, for me, um, meditation is a huge component of it. I've practiced, studied in India, what's called theta meditation. And that meditation is specifically around vibration. So first you have to have an understanding that you can only be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than you. Okay. Um, so that's what motivated me to understand vibration because I wanted to raise my awareness in a capitalistic way, not in a woo-woo spiritual way. Mm -hmm. The guru that I met on a plane on accident or coincidence, as they say, uh, she, I was rejecting her for all her, like, you gotta, you have so much light, you're blocking it. I gotta teach you how to meditate. I'm like, I don't got time to meditate. Like, do you know who I am? Like, I was so arrogant. Uh -huh. And then she finally hit me where it hurt. She said, well, I could teach you uh, to know when to buy or sell. Is that interesting? <laughs> that got my attention, but I learned about the frequency that the earth vibrates the slowest, then plants, animals, humans, sound, then light, and then thought. And the thought that vibrates the fastest is the truth. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always trying to pursue that potential or truth and really starting with that awareness or frequency, how do they make me feel? And are they bringing down my vibration or are they elevating my vibration? And so the minute I came in here, like I said, you know, as you have a rare rainy day in LA, yes. I hate being late uh -huh. and, you know, to show up 
I was really trying to regulate my vibration. And I'm like, this is a place I want to be. Awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, energy is a big thing for me too, except I learned it later on in life. So did I, by the way. Did this you? Is, I'm just old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> 15 years ago. And now I'm still even trying to kind of understand it. You know, I, I, I watch a lot of shows on it, books and all that other stuff. I was looking at your Instagram and uh, see this beautiful photo of you and what looks like your daughter or daughters. That's one of my, well, I have probably daughters. I, daughters. Yeah. Oh, that's a, uh, shoot. Oh no, that's Ellie Zeiler, who's a family, family friend. We started her TikTok and she uh, has millions of TikTok followers. And that other one in the Indiana shirts, my daughter, who goes to Indiana. It was Father's Weekend uh, this weekend. So we were there. Fun. So how many children do you have then? I have four, three daughters, 20, 22 and 17, and then a son, 11. The the son, 11. Yeah. Baby oops. Baby oops. I'm public about it. So he's, he's okay with it. (laughs) I always tell him he's the best mistake I've ever made. And I've made a lot of mistakes. He's just the best one. Yeah. (laughs) We have a lot in common, actually. I want to talk a little bit about that. So same thing with me. I got two boys, 19 and 17. Right there. And then we started all over with a little girl, five years old. Wow. It was amazing. Her name's Brooklyn. Yep. They'll keep you, keep you young. Yes. So we got the little girl, the little princess, and uh, boy, what a difference between raising a girl and boys. Oh, yes. Tell me about it. Uh-huh. It's amazing. Just wait till she's a teenager. Then you're really going to know the difference between sure. raising boys and girls. And then we, we same wife like you, right? Yeah. People yeah. always ask, like, you know, I, they don't ask. I kind of state, hey, by the same wife. Just to make sure, right? Yeah, yeah just yeah, to make yeah. sure, right? Same especially thing. in LA. Right? Uh, oh, especially in LA. <laughs> So my story is similar to yours, but not on the level that yours is. So I came from very humble beginnings. Single mom had me at 17 years old. Nice. Really where, young. Where? Long Island, New York is where yeah. I grew up. My grandfather was like my father figure. My father wasn't in the picture. Um, and, uh, and we didn't have nothing. Didn't have a car. Didn't have nothing. And so at an early age, because I didn't have money, I was very money motivated. I was driven. Joined the Air Force out of high school because I couldn't afford college, paid for for college, and then I uh, got out and that was it. My, and I went on this entrepreneurial journey. And then I built it all up, lost everything in 2008 because go. I was an investor. I was buying houses back in Vegas. I had like 12 homes and I was 23 years old and I thought I was going to be a millionaire, billionaire, whatever. Billionaire, right. I was reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad back in the day. Um, and then comes 2008 and just knocked me on my ass. Uh, I had bought my mom a car. Uh, I think that was one of your, uh, your yeah, goals in life. A car. But yeah, I came crashing down and I had to build it all back up again. And that's your story. I want to hear kind of, it's similar. Right? Yeah, very uh-huh. similar. Grew up single mom, six kids though. Six kids. Yeah, five oh boys gosh. and a girl. Okay. And, uh, you know, my mom was a second grade teacher who packed our dinners in a paper bag in Akron, Ohio taught us, you know, doctor, lawyer, failure, everything was about education, mm-hmm. that no matter what it was going to take, the fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school. Uh, you know, we were, it was so poor, but my mom was a school snob. All of us were going to go to Harvard, mm-hmm. uh, which all five of my siblings went to Harvard, Penn, Columbia, all Ivy League, full scholarship. Wow. I wanted to be rich. My mom, I, I remember sitting in the station wagon with my siblings and they were telling me to study. 
And I was like, I don't need to study. I'm going to be rich, right? I'm going to make, I'm going to buy my mom a house in a car and she's not going to have to fill these turnstiles at greet, you know, with greeting cards at the 7-Eleven just so we could eat. And sometimes we had to have food stamps to eat. And I had, you know, I always thought that people thought they were better than me mm-hmm. because they were richer than me. And I had a huge chip on my shoulder. I just naturally thought they were looking down at me because I had a terrible car, it didn't work, or my mom was crying because of financial stresses and I had to lie all the time about why I couldn't go places or, mm. you know, I, I, I hardly ever talked to my dad and I had built him up to all my friends of how rich he was, you know, and it, it was terrible. Anyway, I uh, was a multimillionaire. I was a millionaire right out of law school, multimillionaire. Uh, the first company that I worked with, we sold for $3.4 billion in 1995. Wow. Uh, married my dream girl from the fourth grade in my late 20s. Uh, she, and then by the time I was 32, you know, I ran Samsung's phone division, multimillionaire, 33 homes in San Diego alone, a golf course, a ski mountain, married to my dream girl. Uh, by 2006, I was running Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, the most notable sports agency in the world. Show me the money. Yeah, show yeah. me the money. But the mm-hmm. weird thing about that, it wasn't just the money. It was I had access. So beyond money, I was going to the Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl, the Masters, Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup, ESPYs, Emmys, Oscars, Grammys. My ego was out of control. I was surrounding myself with the wrong people. And my bottom, I lost everything in 2008, over $100 million. Uh, but in 2006 is when I started, that's when I hit bottom and I started changing my life. Mm-hmm. I was actually more prepared for 2008 than I was for 2006 when my wife told me I better take stock in who I was and what I wanted to become because mm-hmm. I was going to end up dead and alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that hit me so hard. Do you have kids at the time? I had three daughters. Three daughters uh, at un- the time. Yeah, yeah. under uh-huh. eight years old at the time. Gorgeous daughters, healthy daughters, gorgeous I literally, my wife is my dream girl. She skateboarded by my house when I moved from Akron to San Diego and my heart fluttered in sixth grade camp. I asked my best friend to ask her to go steady for me. And she said, no, (laughs) tell him to ask me himself. And I threw an egg at her. Wow. So I went for, you know, from the time I was nine years old until uh, 27 years old trying to date her. You sound like Kevin Arnold from The Wonder Years, man. <laughs> right on. We just had uh, Dan Laurie on the show as yeah, well. Yeah, great from guy. The yeah, huh? Yeah, uh-huh. and so somebody pushed me into my wife in Mexico. And it wasn't my wife at the time. And that's when we re- reunited and I convinced her to give me a chance. Just coincidence you were both having to be in Mexico? What? Yeah, she is was that partying. Right? I was partying. I was Not going a to the coincidence. Bathroom. Right. So coincidence is to me is a mathematical equation. Yeah. What I pay attention to and what I give intention to equals the coincidences in my life. And so I actually am very pragmatic and intentional about coincidences. It's not a coincidence. <laughs> You're exactly right. I can tell already. <laughs> money motivated, you said as a Completely. kid? Completely. Yeah. Totally money motivated. What was your first entrepreneurial job? Uh, my first entrepreneurial job, re- real job, was yeah. in college. Okay. Um, and I got a job at night selling uh book system. They, they call them, I forget what it was, a like child system. So they bought leads from hospitals from new parents or soon to be new parents. And you would have two appointments a night if you were lucky. And you would go into these new parents and I'd give them the whole story about all my siblings went to the Ivy Leagues. And it's because my mom read to us when she was pregnant. She gave us the book, like reading was it. And this was a $45 a month system from the time your baby's born until they're 18. Mm-hmm. So it's huge commissions, sure. right? You're locking in your it was encyclopedia sales with a whole bunch of other books. And so that was my first venture. And I ended up being their top salesperson while I was in college, making a lot of money. 
um, and really set me on the path of keeping my options open, even though I ended up in law school to keep my mom happy. So you here you are this wildly successful, you know, kid from Ohio. When you would go back home and see with your friends and stuff, like what what did that feel like, right? Because a lot of them probably going to community college to living with their parents, right? Oh yeah, and yeah. still today, it's really interesting. Yeah, um, it took me a long time to create this idea of radical humility because I was so mo money motivated that it actually ruined a lot of the relationships. Because I would go back and I would brag, and I'd relate everything to money. I name drop, you know, and. I do. I, I forgive myself for it because I've learned a lot of lessons about humility and studying, as you said, energy and spirituality. Uh, but the problem was that I didn't know four things about myself, that I already was happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy, even when I was broke, mm -hmm. meaning as a kid. Mm -hmm. And I just had to figure out what I was doing to interfere with it because that was the major shift in my life, this faith about somebody told me when I lost everything, Dave, you know the way you feel about your daughters and you feel this way about your kids, I'm sure. I said, yeah, what would you do for them? Like anything in the world, what would you give to them? Anything I could, what would you, you know, if you knew the future, what would you, you know, tell them? And I said, exactly what would be best for them. And they said, well, if you believe there's an omniscient, all powerful, all knowing source, call it what you want. But if you believe in that, which I do, I believe there is an omniscient, all powerful, all knowing source that created all of this. Well, that source feels the same way about you that you feel about your children. So when you have pain, mistakes, failures, setbacks in your life, it's not punishment, it's protection. The same way as when you were three, reaching your hand into a fire and your mom slapped your hand or yelled at you and you thought you were being punished, she just knew she was looking out for what's better for you. So when you don't get the job or the business deal doesn't go through or the girl breaks up with you, this is because you have an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source that loves you so much that they're just pushing you to something better, a better situation. That one aspect of faith changed my life. Wow. It, it comes down to your outlook and how you perceive things, right? You give meaning to everything you see. Right? Yes. There's a, a great saying, fail forward. Right. In fact, Denzel Washington gave a commencement speech. It's amazing. You got to listen to it. And that's the whole thing. Just failing forward. Right. You're going to hit rock bottom and that's OK. Yeah. What are the lessons there? How do you fail forward? So my question is, um, you had mentioned that the best thing that ever happened to you was losing everything. Right. Now, were you ashamed because you were the kid that would go back to the hometown and you built it all up and now you kind of hit rock bottom? What were you feeling? You know, it's funny you say that because I was in shame, blame, and justification. If somebody would have told me that I was gonna lose everything, I may have considered, if somebody told me that was gonna happen, killing myself, because my entire identity was in my bank account. If my bank account went up, I felt great. If it went down, I didn't feel good. And mm -hmm. my whole identity was tied to what it was worth. So imagine this, I lose everything. Not only do I have to tell Lee Steinberg, you know, Jerry Maguire, the reason he hired me was I was the Midas CEO, right? He could use me, put me up onto a, a pedestal to the parents and say, not only am I the greatest sports agent of all time, but our CEO is a multimillionaire. He's going to show your kids and empower them to take care of their financial success and happiness. Financial literacy is part of what we're going to teach you being a client here. And he's philanthropic. So 10% or more of all that your son or daughter makes 
has to go to a charity or cause they believe in. This is the premise, the difference of what we did in a hyper-competitive field. Well, now I have to go tell him I'm bankrupt. I kind of lose my iconic status, sure. you know, for the kids. He didn't care at all. And then even worse, I had to go tell my mom. Now, That's the worst. That was the worst. Mm -hmm. Forget my friends. And the worst part about telling my mom was that I only reason I wanted to be rich was for my mom. Mm. It, it wasn't even really for me. It was, I wanted to buy her a house and a car. Anytime I started crying, it was because of finances. Car broke down. It was, it throws you off so much. And so I realized as I was driving down, because there's, remember, I own 33 houses. I Just in San Diego, by the way. Yeah. I own a golf course, a ski mountain. I have stuff moving around and I'm running a sports agency at the time. And I'm, you know, trying to deal with all this. I have to go tell her that I forgot to take her house out of my name. Ooh. So in other words, her credit only, no, forget her credit. She mm -hmm. had to move. She, she, I, oh my God. I yeah. homeless my mom. Oh my. And so I had to go tell her, I knock on the door and I'm like, mom, she's like, I start crying. Are you okay? Are you, are the girls okay? Are you okay? I, I'm f fine. I, I've lost everything. I claim bankruptcy. I lost your house. You need to move. Are you okay? No, mom, you didn't hear me. I lost your house. You need to move. Are you okay? Mom, did you hear me? I, I thought for sure she was like blacking out. And she said, David, and I'm crying while yeah, I'm saying it. of course. I heard, David, I heard you. Are you okay? Do you need, I'm about to cry. Do you need anything? Can I give you some money? At that moment, that's when I realized that my money had nothing to do with my success. Of course. In fact, two years before that moment, when my wife told me to take stock in who I was and that if I didn't change, she was leaving for sure and I'd end up dead. Mm -hmm. She also said one thing before I went to bed that night. It shook me. She said, if I told your mom everything you were doing, would she be proud of you? And that went through my head all night long. Like, what are you doing? Like your mom taught you gratitude and forgiveness and accountability. You're an inspiration. You're a motivator. What are you doing? I was doing drugs and drinking and hanging out with bad people, doing bad things. And what would my mom do if she really knew all the things that I was doing at that time? Would she be proud of me? And the answer was my money meant nothing then. It went nothing when I lost it all. And somehow in my mind, I thought my mom was weak. Yeah. She needed me to take care of her. Yeah. And then I started thinking, what was I thinking? She raised six kids I was on her own. Say, yeah. Went to the Ivy Leagues, all of them. Wow. Right? I got a scholarship to college so I could play football, which was my dream. Yeah. But what was I thinking? She was such a higher vibrating individual than I was. And that I had so many lessons of humility to learn about, you know, my mom says there's four things you need in life. That's it. And you should work on these four things at all times. Number one, you got to eat. Okay. So eat well. You need to hydrate yourself. So make sure you have a plan to hydrate yourself. You need to breathe. You need air. You need food. You need drink. And you need air. And you need sleep. Hmm. You need to, if you focus in on those things, everything else will come your way. The people who eat the best, sleep the best, breathe the best, and drink the best are the most successful, passionate, purposeful, and profitable people I know. You go ends down with these biggest entrepreneurs you know, they all have nutrition, hydration, sleep, and air. Yeah, they, they do. Yeah. So uh, as you were telling that story and getting a little emotional there, it brought me back to, to my story. So uh, 
again, didn't come from anything. Mom raised me. Um, you know, I made a promise to her when I was like young, cause she always says like, look at that Corvette, right? Like one of these days I'd have, I'm going to own one of those Corvette. And I knew like on the money that she made, she would never own like a Corvette, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> so here I am, I'm like 22 years old living in Vegas. I just got out of the air force. I'm making really good money. Um, you know, I was doing some sports betting at the time. Good. Uh, yeah. And so I was <laughs> following a guy and making like pretty big money. I turned like 5,000 into $300,000, just kind of doing sports betting. That's Dangerous. Amazing. Almost yeah. got me divorced. But <laughs> so I remember I flew back home with like $50,000 going through like TSA. I'm like, oh, please don't check my pockets. I'm going to get arrested, right? What's going to happen? And so uh, I took my mom to the um, uh, car dealership and we drove the Corvette right off of the showroom floor. It was like, it was the best feeling I ever had in my life, right? Coolest thing because it was a promise that I made to my mom. Um, But then years later, as I hit rock bottom, you know, and I'm like, don't know what we're going to do. You know, the mortgage, this, that. Who was the first person that wanted to sell the car? Oh, of course. And she did. She did. She did. And, you know, and so yeah. that hit hard, right? Yeah. I kind of built this up. She drove the car for a couple of years or whatever, and then she had to sell it, you know, and, yeah. and I had to build it back up again. But I think the one thing that you and I both have is when you come from nothing, it's a lot easier to rebuild it, right? Than maybe our kids, yeah. right? Because our kids, whether it's fortunately or unfortunately, they live a more entitled life, Right. So and true. so I don't know if uh, if they were in the same predicament as we were in, would they have the the skills to rebuild? Or perspective, right? right? I, I say all the time, I speak around the world and I'll go on a big stage. One of my first questions is, anybody here grow up with nothing? And half the audience always raises their hand. Mm-hmm. And then I say, I feel sorry for the rest of you, right? Because yeah. I can't teach you what I've learned through my experience, the dummy tax that I paid, I can't teach you. I can't teach yeah. you, but what I can teach our values and daily practices in order to effectuate the ability not to lose everything, the ability to enjoy the consistent everyday, persistent without quit pursuit of their potential. Yeah, yeah. So I know that uh, you focus a lot of your life now on on gratitude and we have a mutual friend. I'm sure you have many mutual friends. You probably do. (laughs) But one that comes to mind is uh, John Rulin. Yeah, he just texted me. He's a great dude. Oh, did he? Yeah. I told him you were coming down. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. He wrote the book, uh, Giftology. Giftology and- which is a strategy I've used before I even read his book. Is that right? So that's how we got so aligned and we're doing so many different wonderful things together. Yeah. So when did you kind of make that part of your personal mission as far as like gifting and gratitude? Well, gratitude for me became a practice when, uh, you know, I thought my wife was perfectly happy. Like you would have thought like I should have known that she wasn't like, I literally looked at her and said, are you kidding me? You're not happy. Like I have a Ferrari and a Porsche. Like we have a live in Nan- like, like my mind was so skewed towards money. Like yeah. money buys love and happiness. How are you not happy? And anyway, you know, she threatens to leave me and I go to bed and I'm pissed because I think she's not grateful. Sure. I, I, you know, she came, I, I've made all this happen. Me, me, me. And so I go to bed and I'm sitting there and I wake up in the morning thinking about what divorce lawyer to call, how I'm going to take her. Ha- she wants to be unhappy. I'll make her unhappy. I'm going to take all, all the houses. You know, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I'm going to show her. Right? I'm going to show her. Uh-huh. And I look over and my father on my 30th birthday gave me a jacket. 
Ironically, when he gave me the jacket, it was the first present he had given me in 20 years. He had forgotten my birthday when I was 10, told me and hurt my feelings, not just forgetting my birthday, but when I approached him about it, he said, I didn't forget your birthday. I don't believe in birthdays. And I distinctively remember thinking hero to zero, like my dad was my hero. And then I caught him lying, cheating, manipulator, overseller, and I hated him. I told him, I hate you. Well, 30, he gave me this jacket. I was so excited that he had changed his mindset and I thought we would have a relationship. Mm -hmm. He tore the pockets out of the jacket and I was furious at him. I'm like, why are you always trying to teach me a lesson? He said, Dave, I'm worried about you. Money does not buy love or happiness. This jacket, hang it in your closet. It's not for wearing. It's to remind you every day that you're not going to be able to take anything with you when you're gone. I want you buried in this jacket. I want you to remember you're not like me. Money doesn't buy love and happiness. And I want you to remember you don't need to be the richest man in the cemetery. It's going to get you nowhere. At that time at 30, I wasn't ready to hear it. So I told him the same thing I told my wife the night before. I hate you. Right? Yeah. You're not grateful. You're a liar, a cheater, a manipulator, overseller. I hate you. You don't appreciate So I'm sitting there about to call the lawyer and I look over in the closet and just like the movie, The Natural, remember when the light came down on the bat? I hadn't seen that jacket in years and I don't even know how. When I looked over there, I saw that stupid jacket and I just broke down crying. Wow! I saw it and I thought to myself, I don't hate my wife. I don't hate my father. I hate myself. I was a liar. I was a cheater. I was a manipulator, overseller, back-end seller. And I sat there and I thought to myself, I'm going to take stock in who I was. And I started thinking of all the lessons my mom taught me. And the first one was gratitude. My mom had taught me, I couldn't even come down to the table with the out of attitude of gratitude. Even though we had nothing, every night before I went to bed, she made me say thanks for what I had. Every morning when I woke up, I had to be thankful for what I had. Not what I didn't have, not what was missing, but what I had. In other words, I learned to appreciate everything that other people were wishing for. And so gratitude became a cornerstone of the values that I live by. Forgiveness was another one. Accountability was another one. And effective communication was the last one. And those four values changed my life. It's what I write my books about. It's what I teach about, leading me to a mission uh, that I'm on today to empower over a billion people to be happy with those values, to create a collective consciousness of those values. Wow. Yeah. And and you said that your wife was with you when you had nothing. And then oh, she yeah. was with you on the journey when you had everything and then you lost it all. Right. My wife was on that same journey with me too. Right. And there was times in my life too, where I'm like, I'm the sole provider, you know, who pays your car? <laughs> like who lit pays for the Look house? Around right? You, right? you know what I mean? And yeah, she didn't join my life after I was successful. Right. She was yeah. with me the whole journey when I was making 300 bucks a right. week working in the air force. Right. There's a valuable lesson there. You can't give meaning outside of you. Right. I tell people all the time, you give meaning to everything you see in all relationships that you have. And can't find it within you, you're not going to find it outside of you. Mm, exactly right. What is your definition of happiness? Happiness is the ability to enjoy the consistent 
every day, persistent, without quit, pursuit of your own potential. Happiness is not derived by comparison, judgment, or condition. It's derived by your own potential. Too many people seek happiness from what other people want for you, for what's missing or what they don't want. And then they end up with what other people want for them, what there is missing or what they don't want. And then they wonder why they're not happy. And they wonder why they're resentful or offended or always feel as if there's a void shortage or obstacle in their life. Yeah. When you can enjoy the journey. See, I, my, I'm friends with Chris Gardner who wrote the book, Pursuit of Happiness. Mm -hmm. uh, Will Smith started that movie and I call him all the time. I go, you got it backwards, man. It's not the pursuit of happiness. Happiness is the pursuit. And if I can get people to pursue what they want, which I created five daily practices to help people do this, know your what, your who, your how, your now, and apply your why. So many kids, especially young entrepreneurs in the following and brand that I built, they're all, Mr. Mills, I got to find my why. You know, I want to find something I'm passionate about. I don't know what to do. Should I go to college? I'm trying to find, your why is there. You already have it, my brother. Let's figure out what you want, who can help you and who you can help, how to get this done, and then prioritize correctly by what's important to you according to your what, your who, and your how. And when I can get people to look within a pragmatic context of something that is very subjective, happiness, it's amazing how much, happiness they have in that enjoyment of mm -hmm. the pursuit of their potential. Hmm. There's a book uh, that I think about often. It's called The Fred Factor. Have you ever read it? Yeah, the awesome book. Yeah, it's a short yeah. little read, right? But it's about a mailman, right? But he loves his job, right? He's just the happiest person in the world, right? Because he gets to meet people and he builds relationships through snow, through storm, right? He delivers mail and that's just, and it's a, I think it's based on a true story too. It is. Right? Yep. Yeah. And I actually, that book inspired me. I uh, tell people to find the light, the love and the lessons is a definition of gratitude. If, mm -hmm. Are you capable? Is it worth it to you in the great chain of feeding and bleeding to find the light, love and lessons? Cause there's light, love and lessons and everything. Mm -hmm. Well, trash to me was my nemesis. It was my kryptonite. And I taught myself to learn to love it. Uh, because everyone, when I was little, made me take it out. In my fraternity in college, I was the smallest football player. They made, made me take it out. I had three daughters. Everyone made me take it out. I built up this resistance and resentment towards trash. Once I shifted my meaning of trash and I found the light of, hey, you get to take a break for five minutes a day when you take the trash out sure. to think about what you want. Uh -huh. Now I love taking the trash out. And people love me for taking the trash <laughs> out. My, I think my wife has attached emotionally that, wow, when he takes the trash out, he really loves me. So it's a double bonus. So you posted something recently on Twitter, which I loved. And it says, when you ask for help, you honor the other person by allowing them to make an investment in you, right? Yep. I'll read that again. When you ask for help, you honor the other person by allowing them to make an investment in you. A lot of times people are afraid to ask for help, right? And you change the whole perspective there. Oh, huh. so core of what I tell people, people ask me all the time, what's the number one thing you would tell yourself, you know, your previous self? Well, you saw 18 year old, ask for help. See, Ben Franklin wrote, the best thing you can do is ask for help because you become an investment of that person. But even more than that, everybody loves to give. See, what I think is the most counterintuitive thing of asking for help is that if I asked you for a favor and you were able to do it, you would feel terrific. It makes me feel better. So, and you're giving someone an opportunity to feel better. Yeah. You know, like, can you open the door for me? A simple ask. Can you, when you open the door for the person who's holding bags at, at the shopping mall and they're like, can you open that for me? And you open it. You feel so good. You totally do. And when you're able and capable of helping others and we deny 
the essence of appreciation. And let me explain why. Your mom and my mom taught us one rule. And I promise you, she taught you this. The more you give, the more you receive. Your mom probably told you that because she's in the position she is. Here's the problem. They forget to tell you the first part, which is you can't give what you don't have. So here's how this idea of asking for help works. Is if I have this much today and I appreciate it. Appreciation is the process of adding value to it. Gratitude is appreciation. So if I am grateful for what I have, I actually mathematically expand what I have simply through appreciation. Then, like our parents taught us, when you give it away, it's true acknowledgement. The only way you know what you have is to give it away. When you give it away, you have a bigger void to fill. Now, if you don't ask for more, you don't ask for help, whether it's universal or to another person, what happens is you're diminishing your vessel because you're not filling it. Mm. Right? It's a mathematical equation to me. So if I appreciate it, acknowledge it, give it away, now I ask for more, it fills that again, I appreciate it, it widens it even more, I give that away, I ask for more, you got to ask for help. The easiest way to get to where you wanna be is ask someone that's already there for directions. I mean, you've done it, I've done it. Mentoring is such a huge part of my life. I either have at least three mentors still today, I'm 53 years old, and I also mentor as many people as I can, either for free. I've been doing free trainings for over 21 years. I have groups, I have one-on-one, -on -one, I do consult. Everything in my life is this mission of giving away everything I have. But I also, guess what? I'm asking for more. I'm not just giving away everything. I am continually asking for more, so I have more to give. I have purest intentions. You're selfish. Right. <laughs> you nailed right? it. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you know why? Because the, it's the most selfish thing you can do is to give somebody else something else because of the gratification that comes from back to you. No right? doubt. Exactly. It's a selfish act. Yeah. Right? And in the end, people do that with their health, right? They don't take care of themselves. They mm -hmm. give everything to their families. Then their families have to take care of them, which is counterintuitive to what their purpose is. They don't want anyone to take care of them. So they take care of everyone else except for themselves. Mm. That's why I tell people I have a non-negotiable health. If I give one piece of advice to everyone in the world, it's find something that's good for you health-wise, sure. minimum of an hour a day, every day for the rest of your life. Yeah. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you'll never be able to take care of anyone else. And what's your way of kind of being healthy? So for me, it's that non-negotiable, adaptable and set routine. So 20 minutes of meditation. I focus in on those four things that we talk about, my nutrition, my hydration. I have a sleep coach, which is extremely essential to me, um, and breathing, which is through meditation. Uh, and then I have cardio, stretching, and a lighter weight routine. And I have a doctor who actually not only prescribes natural supplements doing live and dead blood tests for me, but also changes my routine according to what my sleep coach tells him as well as my travel schedule. So I'm heavily prepared with a set routine and an adaptable routine to make sure I'm taking care of the four necessities of life. So as far as meditating, did you find it hard to do that? I can't imagine a guy with a brain that runs as sucked. fast as yours. It yeah. sucked. Yeah. Um, I can't do it. Yeah, it's a practice of being quiet. Uh -huh. And then I had to go through a transition because the thing that helped me most with meditation was an un... I meditate first thing in the morning. I don't believe in man-made constructive time anymore because the speed of thought moves faster than the speed of light. So I live in the speed of thought, which is faster than the 186,000 miles per second that it takes a particle of light to get from the sun to the earth, which is the 24 hours of activity that you're given. I live in a different realm. I live in a thoughtful realm. So my tomorrow starts today. And I do that through an unwinding routine 
that puts my body, my mind, and my soul in a position to not only recover, but to receive. So the body recovering is a simple one. You don't take alcohol, drugs, caffeine, sure. et cetera, in a certain amount of time, but also negative energy. So, you know, even my wife, if she's going to have a conversation with me, she knows you can't have it after nine o'clock. You know, you can't start talking about my daughter's boyfriend breaking up with her unless it's an emergency. Of course, everything is in this realm. I make exceptions. Sure, of course. But my daughter's boyfriend breaking up with her can save till tomorrow. I do not need to be upset before I, because I'll immediately be hurt if she's hurting. Sure. So I can hear that in the morning. So an unwinding routine, but most importantly, understanding that when I sleep in the right way, I'm accessing information. When I hear one of the dumbest things the majority of the people on earth do, they go to sleep, they rest, and they wake up more tired than they went to sleep at. Why? Most people aren't, because they're interfering, right? They have drugs, alcohol, caffeine, negative energy, blue light, all these things I've learned from my sleep coach. See, when I pass out somewhere between nine and 11, because I'm unwinding, that I go to REM faster than anyone and I receive the information. Then I use my meditation first thing in the morning to transcend the information, the higher level of vibration or frequency I've received to raise my awareness to what I should do during the day. My what, my who, my how, and my now. Huh. Meditation originally was supposed to be, you know, finding a higher baseline in the morning. Now it's changed for me. It's transcending information by a practice of being quiet. Hmm. And okay. once I did that, but yes, when I started, oh my gosh, I was going, it was like a madman. I'm yeah. like, this is stupid. <laughs> like, I can't do this. And then I had someone guide me through meditation, theta meditation, practice, practice, practice. I started with two minutes. Okay. Could I stay quiet for two minutes? That was my goal. Yeah. And it took me a quiet year. Quiet is the easy part. A year. Just kind of stop in no, the brain. My mind, right? my mind quiet, yeah. right? uh -huh. For two minutes. It was yeah. impossible. So we're going to do a segment. This is called Hennessy Heart to Heart. Nice. I'm just going to ask some simple questions and, you know, Quick first answer. thing that comes to mind, right? Which childhood book have you never forgotten? Uh, Monster at the End of the Book. That's Seth. the same one as me. It's the best Seriously? book ever. Well, how can I make it up? I oh, my know. God. We did not know that, man. That's the same one I would give. I, can, I literally cry when I talk about that book. Wow. That's, that's the story of life. It You're really is. You're the monster at the end of your book. Wow. Just you, lovable, cuddly Grover. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> I would not have thought you would I have picked that one from the blue. Yeah. <laughs> that's oh, awesome. I love it. When do you remember first feeling like an adult? When my dad left. Yeah. Huh? Five. I was five. Five. Okay. If there is a heaven, who would you most like to call there? Jesus. Okay. He causes so many problems. I just want to know the truth. Do any of your children have significantly chosen names? All of them. So all my kids start with an M to be named after different family members, and they all have different meanings. Huh. So they all do. Okay. What do you do when you feel fear is bubbling up? I have a methodology of stop drop and roll, identify the fear, the needs of the ego, which is the need to be offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, resentful. I stop, I breathe, I drop, and I roll in the right trajectory. I don't accelerate in the wrong direction. Hmm. Who inspires you the most? My wife. Your wife? Yeah. What's your favorite thing about yourself? Kindness. Good answer. What's something that you've always wanted to try, but you haven't? 
gosh, I'm a, I, like, I believe freedom is the ability to do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. um, so if I wanted to try it, I probably have a, that's a really hard question. It I'm is. gonna have to think of a new one. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. text me. I will, yeah. that'd be great. Can you share a personal fact people might not ever guess about you? You know, with these brands, it's hard to think of something that no, someone <laughs> wouldn't know because I tried to illuminate as much as I can. I, I think a lot of people don't know that later on in life, like a year and a half ago, um, I went to therapy okay. and I'm a big uh, proponent of people going to therapy. I was uh, sexually abused when I was young uh, and I here I'm giving advice to everyone else to seek help. Mm -hmm. And somehow I didn't think that I needed to talk about or to work through traumatic childhood things that yeah. everyone has happened to them. So me going to therapy is probably something a lot of people don't know. What's uh, your favorite summertime memory from your childhood? Summertime memory? Yeah. Summer. Oh, man, for sure. Beginning of football practice. Uh, the gr I can still smell the grass. In fact, when I, I played college football, so I was 22 when I finished. Uh -huh. The next year in law school, I smelled the grass. And I was like, there's the only time I'm, I mean, I almost cried because I missed it so much. Something nostalgic. But, so that's the same for me. So like uh, when I'm feeling kind of down or depressed or whatever, I try to go to the baseball field because I grew up playing baseball <laughs> and just seeing these little kids so happy and joyful out on the field. Like that's what I look forward to as a kid. Like the end of the bed day, right. you know, you're going to put your uniform on, go down to the field and play. Right. So that's kind of my happy place, I guess, if you will, where I, I can kind of go. Do you have a happy place? Yeah, football stadiums. Just, uh, all the football <laughs> exactly. stadiums are still the same? Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's still the same. What do you admire most about each of your parents? Work ethic. Okay. Yeah, they, they're like, uh, you know, the little trains that can. It's awesome. How have you changed through marriage now? It seems like you've been married for how many 24 years? 24 years. Tw I've been 23. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Figures, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, um, ego. So the biggest is radical humility. My, my wife has taught me, trained me, coached me, mentored me, how to allow things to happen, to be humble, uh -huh. to love myself. Speaking of marriage and wives, uh, first of all, what is your love language? Oh, my, my love language is, is vocal. Like say it's but words of affirmation, wor like words people, of affirmation. That's for mine. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And then what about your wife? Um, Def, definitely not uh not money. words of affirmation. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not money. It's is it actions is the four is actions? one of the four. Mine is yeah, like do, doing things for her. Okay. Mine my life my wife likes to receive gifts. Yeah, those are <laughs> so my daughters. Those are three teenage daughters. Opposite. Yeah. I, I, my three daughters. It, I don't care expensive. about gifts. Like you're, that doesn't do anything for oh, me. Trust just, me. Just tell me that you're proud of me. Exactly. Right? Or like I'm hand lie to me. Say I'm handsome. That you, exactly. You adore me. Right? I'm like the sexiest man you've ever been with. But just lie to me. It's fine. What <laughs> what calms you down when you're upset? Breathing. Breathing. Yeah. What's been your most spiritual experience? Um I think going to India and doing a quantum healing workshop. Huh. Uh, I've worked with Master and Dr. Shaw. I work with Sadhguru, Deepak Chopra. Uh, just incredible spiritual uh, enlightenments. Um, I've been blessed in that manner. What's one thing you would include in your dream house? World peace. World peace. What's something that you miss about your childhood? Uh, playing till the lights went out, man. Yeah. That's huh? by what far. What position did you play? I played running back and punt returner, cornerback and football, baseball, yeah. second base. But I, one thing, I, I built some schools in, in Africa and community centers, but the one thing in Africa that just blew me away is 
you had to pull me off the street from playing yeah. at night. Oh yeah. These girls that we built this high school for, you literally, they feel the same way about education as I felt about sports. Huh. And it changed my entire perspective. Like you, they wanted to study from five to 11 at night. Wow. That's how much they wanted to learn. And you're literally saying playing outside with your friends until the lights came out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, that's yeah. when you knew it was time to go home, right? Exactly, we didn't yeah. have cell phones. And I would and have text played messages. in the dark if somebody would have yeah. let me. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. What makes you feel the most alive? Empowering others to empower others. So I've been blessed to be coaching for a long time, and I'm old enough now where, you know, I see the kids who have learned what I've done. Like they're millionaires and they're making, they're, they're good people with happy families. They're healthy, happy, wealthy, and worthy. And they're teaching other people the same thing. Yeah. And so when someone says, oh my gosh, you're Dave Meltzer. I learned so-and-so mentors me, one of my mentees. Mm -hmm. That is to me the ultimate, elevating others to elevate myself. So cool. Great words. Uh, and then I guess lastly, so like, what does a day look like for you? You've got your camera guy in here. You got your entourage. Like, yeah. wh wh where do you? So it starts yeah. at 9 p.m. with okay. an unwinding routine. I wake uh -huh. up at 4 a.m., 20 minutes of meditation, 10 minutes to get ready, minimum of an hour a day there on my health. Then I put everything off and spend a minimum of an hour a day with my family. So non-negotiable with the health. And then 30 minutes with my wife, minimum. 30 minutes with my 11-year-old minimum every day, seven days a week, minimum of two minutes a day with each of my teenage daughters, minimum. One minute with my mom, best advice about parents. If you call your mom every day and tell her four things, your relationship will change immensely. One, tell her you're happy. Two, tell her you're healthy. Three, tell her you appreciate her, meaning you, you, she adds value to your life. And then four, that you love her. If you call your mom every day, seven days a week, minimum of one minute, your relationship will be beyond what you can imagine. Same thing probably for your adult children, right? That start to leave the house, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting story. So like it brought it up. So I remember it was maybe about a... About nine months ago or so, it was during the pandemic, right? I'm working from my home office. I'm on my computer, just kind of working away. And my daughter walks in, right? And she's got slime. She made slime at a birthday party, right? And she walked in and she's like, daddy, daddy. And I'm like checking email. I've got a yeah, million yeah. things going on. I'm stressed out. Daddy, daddy, look look at my slime. Look at my slime. And she's five, right? And, I'm, and I looked over, I'm like, oh, that's awesome, right? You know, and then like I kind of went back to kind of what I was doing, right? But the lesson that I learned there is that was such a big deal to her. And I missed out on that opportunity. Like right. I should have just for, stopped for what I'm doing. For one of a thousand emails that you've had. Exactly, right? You know, but, um, and I felt so bad and my heart sunk later, but it was such a valuable lesson. Like I learned something about life in that moment because of slime. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing how we, pay more attention to and care more about people we don't know or people we barely know than we do the most important people. And mm -hmm. I see people leave a dinner table with like a beautiful family to take some sales call or business call that means nothing. Yeah. And it won't mean anything later on. No. And I, you know, you got to make other people's big deal your big deal. For sure. Right. It's a great lesson. Yeah. So you've got books, you've got shows, you've got, tell everybody how people can find out about David. Yeah. Well, the best way is, you know, david at dmelzer.com. I give all my books for free. 
So I'll sign them, pay for them, pay for shipping even. Ebook, audiobooks are easy, um, but I have podcasts called The Playbook, both a sports edition and an entrepreneur edition. I have elevator pitch, office hours, and two-minute drill TV shows. Uh, I have several books, um, and I speak around the world. I coach, but you can just reach out to me, David, at dmeltzer.com, or Google my name, David Meltzer, at David Meltzer. Uh, luckily, I'm easy to find. Well, I love how vulnerable you were today. And I love how you made your mess your message. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for coming in, man. Well, you're my new best friend. We got so much in common. I can't wait to go out with you. <laughs> yeah. I love forward to that, man. Thank yep. you so Thank much, you. Jason. This has been the Jason Hennessy Podcast. This show is produced by Whitney Welsh and Jenna Kershaw, engineered and edited by Josh Fisher, and recorded at Hennessy Studios. Please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.